we, uh, we're, we're all seeking all the time, all through the day, everything that we do, we're seeking. Um, we try to get what we want. So before we go any further, actually, I just want to ask you this. This is a rhetorical question. You don't have to raise your hands, but just answer for yourself. What do you want? Usually there's, um, there's a mix of things. You know, there may be five or 10 or 100 things that we want that bubble around in our hearts. But it's important when we answer this question just to not be shy. There's like important and serious things that we want and then, and then smaller and less serious things that we want. And sometimes we, we, we don't mention or we, we keep the smaller things away. We only talk to God about the things that we think are, are worthy or important enough. But here's just one example. Um, the other day, sitting in the rectory drinking some coffee and it just popped up. I, said, I thought to myself, I, I want some Legos <laughs> because I like Legos. And um, I didn't go get any or anything like that. But this is, this is just one example of like, oh, that's something that I want. So for everything that we want, and there are like, like I said, big things and small things. Legos would be one of the smaller things. That's like right next to things like, I want, um, I want sainthood for the people of St. Luke, or I want to be a saint myself, or I want to live, live a holy life. Um, why do we want what we want? If somebody asks us, okay, so you want this, why do you want it? Then usually we come up with like some sort of reasonable justification, like, oh, well, because it'll help in this way or that or whatever. But all the, all the reasons that we give, they're just to make it like acceptable or justifiable to the other person. We don't need any reasons for ourselves. We just say, I want it because I want it, because it sounds pretty good. So here's the question underneath this, in everything that we want, what are we seeking? It, it always ends up the same way. We say, I want X, Y, and Z because this will make me happy. Happiness, sometimes treated as a fluffy word that doesn't mean very much, or it's kind of belittled, like it doesn't matter very much. But happiness is actually very important and very serious. And it's a gift. The desire for happiness is a gift that God gives us because he made us for eternal and overflowing happiness. So we say this about all kinds of things, whether it's the big things in our life, I want this, you know, I want, I, I want this job, I want this house, I want this sort of thing for my family because that will make me happy or make them happy and that will make me happy. Or for the small things, like I want a coffee or I want a shorter homily or whatever it is, because that will make me happy. Even the bad things that we want, even the sins or, or whatever, we do them because we say, I think that will make me happy. Even when we th do things like withhold forgiveness or, or, or do something uh, in, in revenge, we do it because we believe it'll make us happy. So if you were, if you were listening, the, the scriptures today are a lot about God's promises. You got Abraham, and God promised him offspring that is more than the stars in the sky or the sand on the shores of the sea. We've got um, Simeon who comes into the temple, who God promised him, you will not die before you see the Savior in the flesh. We've got Anna, the prophetess, who when she sees Jesus, she goes and tells all the other people who are waiting for the redemption of Israel, that, in other words, who, who know God's promise to restore his people and are waiting for him to fulfill it. So the promises, are, are, the promises of God are all through the readings today. So we have to just ask ourselves, because we, we live with this, we ask God for things, we try and trust him, we, we depend on him. 
How, how, do we, how are we supposed to understand this, like God's promises to us, his covenant to us? There's two extremes, as always. The first one is something like the prosperity gospel that says, if you love God, if you follow his law, then he will fill your life with all kinds of good material things, cars and money and friends and houses and vacations and all this sort of stuff. Okay, obviously, this is not the gospel. That's, that's, that's just not true, okay? There is kind of a sneaky variant of the prosperity gospel that is, I like to call it like, like the vending machine God, where we basically, we ask him for something that we want, and then when we don't get it, we basically, it's like, well, put more coins in the machine, pray more, do more good, suffer more, grovel more, whatever it is, put enough coins so that finally he'll spit out the thing that we asked for. That, it's, like I said, it's variant on the prosperity gospel. That's, that's not how we understand this either. That's a load of garbage. On the other hand, though, if it's not this, if it's not just love God and he will do all kinds of, it just fill your life with all this good stuff, we can go this way too far and say, you should be happy already, stop complaining. And then we end up like cramping down on our hearts because we say, it's wrong to want more. You should be happy enough. Why are you still seeking all these sorts of things? And this also, that's, that's not the gospel either. So here's how we understand this. When God made us, he made us for happiness. More happiness than we have ever wanted or dreamed of. And he promises, and this is his covenant, he promises this kind of happiness to us. He made us for this, and he will do it. But we know that Though there are many good things, smaller happinesses like Legos that can make us happy for a time or a good meal or, or whatever it is, we know that only God can fill us. Only God because he is goodness itself and beauty and love and, and only God can fill us and everything else ends up being like smaller happinesses that, that won't fill our hearts, though they're good. We believe that there that he, he gives us plenty of peace and joy for this life, but we will only be perfectly happy in the next life. So we say the desire for happiness is good. In fact, usually we are too easily satisfied and we don't let our desire for happiness get big and great enough. The desire for happiness is good, but the problem is clinging to a certain way to reach happiness. So like we said, we say, when we want something, we say, I believe that if I had this, or if this changed, then I would be happy. And sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong. But if we hold on to this, if we say that is the only way for me, then, then we have a problem. The seeking is not the problem. The clinging to a certain version of it, a certain way to get there, that's the problem. So I just wanna give this example, it's my own example. When I went to seminary, I did not want to be a priest. I think you know that already. There are some guys, guys in my class too, who, um, who like wanted to be a priest since they were like six years old, you know? And I was not that. When we got together, me and my siblings and my cousins, to baptize our stuffed animals, I had to be the priest because I was the oldest boy cousin, but I did not like it and did not want it. So when... The Lord said, I want you to go to seminary. That's the track to priesthood. I said, I will go, but there's a problem. 
I don't want to be a priest. And the, the whole reason, the whole hang up was, like I can see the goodness of priesthood. The priests that I know, I admire and respect and want to imitate. There's no problem with that stuff. But it was just that I can't imagine being a priest and being happy. I can't imagine that being a happy life for me. So, in, in a wonderful way, I mean, basically what I, how I put it to the Lord was like, something's got to change because I know that you're not calling me to a life of misery. But this doesn't sound very good and I don't want it. So what's, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? So it was like se- seminary. It's, 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 it's several years. It was five years in, five of eight, that a change happened. And I don't know how it happened, and I didn't recognize it until, until I looked and, and found it. But priesthood changed from, I think God wants me to do this and I don't want it, to my desire for this gift is so great and precious that I cannot even ask you for it, Lord. But if you give it to me, I will be grateful, and I will say yes. And I can tell you, that, uh, that I'm very, very happy as a priest. There's plenty of struggle and suffering, for sure. This is, this is life. But the joy and peace and happiness that the Lord has given me in this call is so much greater than I ever wanted when I started seminary, that I ever dreamed of or imagined. It's like so far beyond what I could have made for myself or like I said, even, even what I imagined as a good life. Is so, so, so much greater. So this is what I want to point out to you. What changed was this belief that I had. I said, I believe that X, Y, and Z will be a happy life for me, and priesthood is not included. What changed, and the Lord had to work to kind of loosen my grip on it, to give that up so that he could give me something else. What changed is, like, I, I could believe, I could imagine that the, the, the life of a priest, the, the, the gift that it is, it could be, could be a way to happiness for me. So this is the trap that I want to point out to you. Very often, we miss or pass by the gifts that the Lord has for us, the gifts that he gives that are actually directed to what we want, which is happiness and peace and joy and love. We miss those gifts, we pass them by, because we cling to the belief that I need X or Y or Z to be happy. And so because we're we're holding firm to this, we miss all the invitations that the Lord gives us. If you wanna know like what it is that maybe you cling to, it's just whatever fills out your, your, the grass is greener image. It's whatever you you daydream about or the things where we say, "If, if this or that, then I would be happy. It could be, about your family, or your spouse, or your parents, or your children, or your job, or your finances, or the things that you have, or your house, or whatever it is. These are not bad things to want. They're not even bad things or things to be ashamed of to ask the Lord for. But when we cling to them so strongly, when we say, this is the way and I know it, then when the Lord gives us the actual path to the happiness that he wants for us, then we miss it because we say, that doesn't look very good, and I know this is the way. Just one example, Sunday comes around. <laughs> it was very dark this morning, did you notice? I slept through my alarm, and I was like, I cannot, it, there is no way that it's already almost 
almost time for mass. But on dark mornings like this, we want to sleep in. We say, I, I don't want to go to mass. That does not sound like something that will make me happy. And the Lord says, you must go to mass. But the invitation then is a lot like what we heard in the second reading with Abraham. The Lord did two things with Abraham. First, he said, he called him from his own land to a land that he did not know. And Abraham obeyed him. But it says right there, he didn't know where he was going. And he didn't know what would be there. This is often the invitation from the Lord. Come and do what I asked you to. Trust me, this is the right direction. I am directing you to a greater happiness than you can imagine or make for yourself. But it looks scary. It doesn't look like the right way all the time. The other thing that the Lord did with Abraham that we heard about is, of course, his famous story where he asks him to sacrifice his son Isaac. The Lord doesn't make Abraham slaughter his son. But what he checks, what he invites Abraham to, is to loosen his grip on the gift that the Lord has given him. To, to, to not cling to what he says, I need this to be happy. Or you said you would fulfill the promise in this way. I hope that example makes sense. The Lord, he says, I have promised this to you. I have made you for happiness. I am bringing you in this direction. You don't always understand or see the way, but trust me, I will fulfill my promise to you. So we desire and dream of happiness and fulfillment. This is not a problem. This is a great gift from the Lord. But it's just when we cling to the image of how that's going to be, that's where we get stuck. So please, here's the bottom line. Do not be easily satisfied. And it's often a good prayer to say, Lord, you, you are supposed to be enough for me. But right now you're not. So what will you do? Don't be easily satisfied, but do let God change how you imagine a happy life. He's working to mature our hearts. So here's, here's two examples. When you're a kid, there's nothing better than candy, and you can eat mountains of it. And then you get a stomach ache, and then the stomach ache passes, and you go eat more candy. When you're an adult, you eat like one Milky Way, and your teeth hurt. What's happened to us, you know? Well, we're, we're, we're passing up lesser goods for greater goods. Because also as a kid, if you ever tried coffee as a kid, disgusting, terrible. You know how it goes, like, oh yes, I'm gonna drink coffee with my parents, because it's a big day. You put it like, like this much coffee and then a bunch of creamer in it. Like you're not really drinking coffee, you're covering coffee up. When you're a kid, coffee tastes terrible, but when you're an adult, what is better, you know? It is sweet and delicious, the, the, the water of life. So, so the Lord works to mature our desires. These are, these are like really pretty mundane examples, but he does this also with things like prayer or with a life with him. So today is the Feast of the Holy Family. So I would encourage you not just to, to pay attention to what you want for yourself, but what do you want for your family? Even if you don't live with your family, like what do you want these relationships to be? What do you want your household to be like? These sorts of desires. I, I think probably what you want is a family that lives in peace and love and joy. God promises these things also, but do not expect, do not depend on external and material things to make that happen for your family. God gives us many of those. 
Look instead for, for a kind of unexpected and miraculous fulfillment of his promise, like he did for Abraham, like he did for us in sending his son Jesus in, at Christmas. Look, look for things that would be unexpected, like what will bring peace and joy to my family? Maybe if we learn to love forgiveness, or if we learn and, and let our hearts change to be more patient, or to speak, speak better of each other, or to, to give up our lives in generosity for the others. These are the sorts of things where we say, that does not look like the path to happiness. That looks like suffering. That looks, that looks sort of painful. These are the hidden ways where the Lord fulfills his promise. So we pray for, for all of our families, all of you and, and your families on this Feast of the Holy Family. This is what we heard in the collect today. We can imitate the, the shining example of the Holy Family, which is the happy family in the virtues of family life and in the bonds of charity. That is like the commitment to sacrificial love.